it's a special moment. It's really a special moment to to be one of, you know, two or 3,000 people in the world that are going to be at this race. And when you look back and say, like, yeah, it could have happened sooner. Um, why didn't it happen sooner? I finished, I finished a race faster. I finished a race uh, on the, you know, closer to the podium. But this one actually was so rewarding and fulfilling because I kept, I just kept going. Like everything, if you look at it on paper, says, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? You're spending all this money on the race. You keep getting injured. You say that you can, you know, do these times and you still haven't done these times. How, when, when is this ever going to end? Are you, do you ever, and I just feel like back to what we're talking about, I have taken back my power in choosing choosing what I find joy in and choose how I want to spend my time. And that time is spent bringing out the best in me. Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are Jess and Beej. We are here right now today recording our July 2021 installment of the Osho, where we are open and honest. We're answering your questions. And today, Beach gets to be more honest than me because all the questions <laughs> are for him. We are smacking down Ironman Coeur d'Alene, uh, where there was a 27% DNF rate, some of the biggest numbers Ironman has ever seen. And this guy over here not only survived... Thrived. Yeah, I was just gonna say, I don't know if he thrived, but apparently <laughs> thrived. news just in, he thrived <laughs> and snagged yourself a qualification for the Ironman World Championship in Kona this October, and we are going to be there. So should we just dive in? Do we have anything that we need to talk about? We're gonna be uh dropping our camp pretty soon. Mm-hmm. As soon as BJ reviews the camp page? No. <laughs> what are the dates? February? 3rd to the 7th. 3rd to the 7th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 3rd to the 7th. We've got uh, a pretty epic uh, and rigorous training itinerary. It's crossover with trail runners, road runners, triathletes. We'll uh, be splitting up for some of the workouts and coming together for most of them. So check that out. Save the date if you haven't already, but that should be dropping by the end of the month. Mm-hmm. And um, if you are watching the video, you may see that Clark has a new bed, which has been a great success. We call it the ship. The What do they say <laughs> with the ship? Bon voyage, Clark, and good night. <laughs> Is that what they said on the love boat? Like when it would, when it would leave? What do they call it? The S- yeah, it's the SS Clark. <laughs> so you can see he's only in like... A uh, quarter of the bed. Which would probably be, you would think, a medium. So but th- I got the large because I got sucked into the Instagram video, which had a golden retriever in it. So it was like double suck. I was in. I had a one-pointed focus. <laughs> we could actually fit another dog in there. I can get in it pretty comfortably. And you... I have been meditating have in Have been it. meditating in the dog So bed. instead of taking up our the floor pillows, I've just, the, since the bed is up there and it... You know, I got to get the cranes in and everything to lower it down into the the, the ground. The floor. turbo thrusters. <laughs> yeah. I just leave it up so there. So we can dock it. Grab my meditation pillows and 
and sit in the bed. It's quite comfy. Yeah, well, it's memory foam. It helps to cool his body. It's good for his My joints body. and his My muscles. joints. It is also good for athlete <laughs> Keeps recovery. Keeps me from falling over side to side. Yeah. So, you know, this whole thing, like, you can't meditate because you don't have a spot, or I can't tell you how many people that- Yada, yada, yada. I can't I meditate. <laughs> guided to the bathroom, the closet. And by the way, when you meditate in your bathroom or your closet, because you're, you don't want to, like, make a peep in the morning because you don't want your kids to wake up or your partner to wake up. It makes your closet in your bathroom much cleaner. That was also the feedback that I got. Uh, and now we're going to add dog bed. Meditate to the in the dog bed. Of meditation approved locations. <laughs> All right. So bring your dog beds to camp <laughs> in February. Well, I'll be meditating. We could probably get three yogis in we that could bed. Probably, yeah, we definitely yeah, can. Three yogis in the bed. Yeah. All right, cool. So uh, we're drinking some tea. I got some detox tea. What do you got over there? I have the standard ginger, <laughs> turmeric, Trader Joe's tea with a sprinkle of cayenne pepper. That's good. I need that fire. Yeah. Cayenne pepper is good for you. All right, cool. Well, I feel like we should just... Do you want to dive in? Yeah. I love diving in. Let's dive in. Yeah, so Ironman Cordelline, it's on a, it just came back this year after being absent for a few years, and they're going to rotate it. So next year, if you're looking to sign up for this amazing race, it's not going to be there. It's going to be 70.3 next year. The full Ironman will happen again in 2023, and I will be there for sure. And what do you say about somebody who's like, well, I don't want to go because it's a hot race. Oh, we've been there during many different conditions. Yeah, we've so. been there when people have been pulled off the course for hypothermia. So it's kind of like a Lake Placid. Like you can get anything. So much like Lake Placid. Maybe not like those crazy mountain storms that Lake Placid has. I don't know. I mean, I've done Ironmans in Lake Placid when there's been hail, but, um, I but would say definitely temperature fluctuation. I would say it's more like Mount Tremblant. Mm, okay. Uh, why? Because the uh, that bike at Mount Tremblant, you go out on the highway and it's big rollers. And that's what I felt Coeur was. You go out on the highway and you're rolling along. There's ne- never anything too steep. How long are you on that highway? It, the whole time? Well, except for that little out and back, you're on that highway. Oh, really? Is mm-hmm. it like a high, like I-5? Or is it like a, is it like a road that people just drive like it's a highway? Probably. Drive like, like it's that. a highway. Yeah. So they have four lanes with a median and they blocked off one side just for bikes and one side just for cars. So the cars are going like this and the bikes are going like this. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. I liked it. Yeah, it was great. It's so beautiful there. So that was our first, my first Ironman and your first Ironman. 2006 was mine and 2008 was, was yours. Yeah. Different bike courses back then. Much more challenging. Went up towards Hayden Lake. Yep. Much more challenging than what we did. I remember last weekend. Um, I was not doing well at all the first ten miles of the marathon because I had the got the worst advice ever, and I went all in with it, which is just eat as much as you possibly can on the bike. That was the plan: eat as much as so I ate so much, and then the first ten miles of the run was just awful. And I remember that one aid station we were reminiscing when we were that like you kind of came flying out of a porta john and you were on your second loop and I was on my first loop and I'm like how you doing you're like oh like you were not doing well I was not doing well and it was so beautiful and awesome and I loved every minute of it I loved that experience of like because I had never put myself into such physical duress before and then of course eating 
as much as you possibly can on the bike, which is not good advice. Um, I was like, I wonder if I'm going to die today. And there was something about that, like being so close to an unknown like that, because I really didn't know. It was my first one. I didn't know what to expect or what I was doing, and ignorance is bliss. But there was that piece of it on the edge that I really liked a lot. And then to see the body pull back and be resilient and then feel really good for the last 16 miles. But this is not the 2008 Ironman Smackdown. <laughs> so here we go. All right, we have a series of questions from Kat. And um, I think we're just going to dive right into them because she always has amazing questions and she's so enthusiastic and we love her so much. All right, for the Smackdown. Methods you used for battling the extreme heat. Describe your lowest point, so I'm assuming in regards to the heat, if those two coincide, and how you got through it. Yeah, so what was the first question? What was my strategy for the heat? Yeah, what was your what is the strategy you used for battling the heat? And I do you think that was like pre like what was what was your strategy going into it? Or what was your strategy? Yeah, so pretty simply leading into it, I just upped my salt intake and electrolyte intake. I really didn't drink much water, like straight up water. It most often had a new uh, a goo hydration tablet in it. And if it didn't, it was Roctane. So I was definitely bumping up my electrolyte game in the, in the days leading in, for sure, like the two or three days leading in. And then for the race day, I just had a, a strategy of... Uh, just consuming liquids, more roctane than normal. I think I took an extra serving. And every 10 to 15 minutes, I would you know, make sure I was getting that in. And then every 20 to 30 minutes, I was licking base salt. I just felt salt was the, for me, because I'm a heavy sweater, um, I, needed, I needed extra salt. And then in the aid stations, always, always on the bike, pouring water on my head and um, filling up my my uh, bike hydration system, but always grabbing a bottle. Every aid station, I, I didn't stop. I kind of rolled through really slowly, poured it over my head, on my jersey, behind my neck, and then filled the hydration thing. And, and then when did it. you start cooling off? I like, when did you start pouring the water? I don't think I water? ever cooled off. <laughs> no, but when did you start oh. pouring the water on yourself? Oh, aid, the first bike aid station. Right. So mile 10, I think. So before you're even warm. Oh, be, Well, I was talking with Daniel about this. The first you know, I don't know, hour, two hours of the bike. It was kind of cool. Like you're in the shade, protected by the mountain, um, that mountaintop. And then uh, the breeze was picking up. So you could have been in, uh, get involved in a false sense of like, oh, today's actually going to be cool and I can actually push it a little bit. That wasn't my plan. I knew that I needed to actually reduce what I, my expectations were uh, for the effort I was going to put out on the bike. Because I just want to conserve. Like, it's only going to get hotter. It was, we had been there for a few days. We noticed three o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock would come at night. And it was probably the hottest it, it, it was all day. So it's only going to get hotter from the moment and you're Sunday in. was, I mean, starting Sunday, because Monday, Tuesday, like the days after the race were also really hot. But Sunday, it just spiked. Like the yeah. universe turned up the oven. Yeah, for sure. And then put a hair dryer down on Coeur d'Alene. And then some coals. <laughs> and then like some lighters. <laughs> got out all the torches. Yeah. Um, all right, describe your lowest point and how you got through it. 
My lowest point was was probably on uh, probably on the run. I would say lap three. I want to say lap three, and I think I only had a few miles left, but I was getting really really dizzy. I remember getting really dizzy, kind of like teetering. And I made a, a note to myself to not, I'm not running, uh, I'm not walking anything but aid stations, like only aid stations. And so I, I pushed through a few moments um, between aid stations and I think I was, I kind of got down a little bit. Um, what does that look like for you? What does down look like? Yeah. Mm, kind of. Did you want to quit? Not quit. And I never want to quit. I don't think quitting ever comes into my awareness, but slowing down for sure. Like bumming out about Bumming that. out. I, and even walking, I don't walk that, like I walk the aid stations, but I never really walk much um, in between. Um, but uh, how did I pull myself out of that? I just, I was able to shift focus. I was able to come back to uh, dig deep, stay strong, which is our buddy Troy had um, WhatsApp me the night before and kind of stuck with me, but also that I'd worked so hard for this, uh, to get to this point, uh, came into my awareness. Like I've worked, I kept momentum going when, you know, all through last year through my injury in January and February, and I just kept all this momentum going and I owed it to myself to keep, keep pushing on. Yeah. I think gratitude too. I was very grateful. Um, I was very grateful to be alive. You know, I've had some traumatic, we both have some traumatic experiences recently in our lives. And I, and I, I felt in those low moments that emotion, um, gets stirred up and, um, those that, um, had left this earth, I just felt I, they would want me to, to give it my best, you know, to, to pull myself up and, and get out of this funk and continue on. Yeah. Yeah. So BJ's talking about our dear friend, Mary, who, uh, left this earth, um, in quite a, uh, abrupt manner. She lost her life in a domestic violence situation. And, um, she was, uh, and a lot of people in this community know her. She's been on the podcast, um, very, very close to us. Um, and, uh, yeah, she definitely would have been kicking your butt to the finish. Like you just, <laughs> you, nobody can quit on, on her watch. No, right? Now she's no. watching. I thought a lot about Mount Tremblant when I spend a lot of time with her there. Yeah. Uh, and then my mom. Yeah. And then a couple months before that, yeah, BJ's mom, um, left the earth quite unexpectedly. It's and, been a, <laughs> it was a hell of a couple. And then you were injured and it's like, yeah. you couldn't even go and run. It was like, the universe was like, you sit in it and you learn how to feel and you learn how to let things pass through you. Yeah. yeah. Cause this path isn't about not feeling. It's not about never having negative thoughts. It's not about not feeling sad. It's, it's not about that. It doesn't mean if you meditate, you won't have some horrific tragedy happen in your life, but it's, man, it wakes you up to how to navigate that and continue to live mm -hmm. vibrantly and beautifully and in honor of those who, um, have walked this earth, you know, and no longer are here. Yeah. Yeah. I felt them. I felt them. I felt the po energy power, uh, yeah, just that emotion 
come up. And it really wasn't like, ah, I'm like crying or anything. But I felt, you know, a few brief moments of, you know, just some, uh, a little bit of sadness. But it, it was so quick because the sadness turned to, you get going. Like, <laughs> yeah. like get, come on, let's go. Yeah. Like, don't linger in this. Like, we're, we're, we're here. Yes, we're here. We're just, gotta go. Yeah. Like you gotta keep moving. Both Mary and Terry, For who sure. is your mom, was your yeah. mom's name. Both Mary and Terry would have been like, get out of the aid station. Um, yeah, totally. So that's how you got through it. That's good. That's how you got through it. Um, okay. Next question, actually, uh, Tracy chimed in on Kat's question. And she, so we'll go to Tracy's question. What was the plan for the heat? Which I think you just, I think you just answered. And then also, uh, was there a drop in pace? And I'm thinking the way that she phrased this is, did you plan to have a drop in pace? No, never. I, I, but it sounds like you went a little more conservative on the bike. That was a conservative bike time for you. It was conservative. I definitely could, could have biked stronger, faster, for sure. I definitely was conservative on it. Um, but my pace dropped on the run. For sure. You know, I think I saw you at mile one and a half-ish, mile two, not mile two yet, probably one, one, one and a half, when you were there with Hillary, mm -hmm. and I asked you where I was, and I was feeling good. Like, I was like, okay, it's kind of cool. Like, I can hold this pace. This is awesome. Uh, yeah, it, it definitely went downhill after that. Everybody went downhill, though. Um, another thing that Tracy notes is, like, there was not much change in no. position. Nope. Your age, and I've seen this before. I've seen this before. I'm not monitoring other age groups. So I'm sure, you know, unless somebody we know is going for the win or a Kona spot. But I don't really monitor movement in age groups like I do with yours. And typically you see a lot of movement. And also it's really hard when you say, what, where am I? Or, or I'm trying to tell you where you are. And because it's always changing depending on swim times and things like that. Because there's no mass starts anymore. Mm, thumbs, two thumbs down. <laughs> and there's no uh, body marking anymore. And there's no body marking anymore. Um, but your age group was not budging. Everybody was slowing down, but nobody was falling apart. There was a couple guys that jockeyed position a couple times, but nobody went from like second place to eighth place. No, and even looking at my number, I Nobody know, looked at where budging. I was in relation to the day. I was in 20 to 24 the entire time. You know, 20-something fastest swim, 20-something fastest bike, 20-something fastest run. So everybody was just consistent, but you were all slowing down because yeah. those were slow run times for that age group. Everybody was running close to, pretty much top 25 were running close to four hours, if not over four hours, which is... You don't see that no. in your age group. I think the guy who won ran a 313, which is incredibly impressive our, on a day like that. Our buddy Billy Half just what did he was do? just over a 330. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. That's great. I just kept seeing him and he was just so dialed in, like focused. It was so awesome to race with him. Yeah. It was really cool. That was super fun. Uh, how many Kona slots were there? So, how many Kona slots were there total and what did you have in your age group? There were 200 slots. So, it had gone from 40 which is the traditional Ironman, to 150. Um, and then it, a couple of days before the race, it went up to 200. And I'm assuming it's because Mount Tremblant was canceled, uh, which is one of the last races uh, to uh, North American races to, um, to qualify for this year's Kona. So 
I think that's why it happened, but it doesn't matter why. Uh, there were 200 slots and there were 21 spots in my age group. All right. She's, Tracy says, overall, well done. Great. Thank you. So happy for you. I'm so happy. All right. We're going we're gonna to get back to, to Kat, but we've got another one from here from Pam. Uh, oh, <laughs> when will you be opening the team store? Sorry. <laughs> this is not the team about, store. But actually, that's not a, well, it's already It's open, gonna, but then it closed. Yeah, but by then the time it's going to close. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> all right. Hi, Pam. Thanks for that question. Okay. <laughs> that's awesome. Because our gear is super sweet. Our gear is sweet. I got a lot of shout outs on the gear. Yeah, really Pe- excited about it. People like that. Yeah. Okay. Going back to Cap. Okay, Cap. Um, did the I am the heat mantra get you through any low points or did it prevent any low points? It got me through low points. I don't think you can prevent. I don't think there's anything you can do to prevent. You you can't block anything out. It's like when it arises because it's going to arise, how do you, what's your relationship with that? So, um, and the reason I threw that out there, I am the heat, I am the heat is because I wanted to get that ingrained in my, um, you know, my thoughts, my beliefs that uh, I am the heat. So I can match. I, I don't want to so much crave being colder. I want to, I want to meet and welcome the heat so that we are one, uh, and that we can snuggle up together on the couch and just get to know each other. That's why I was putting that out there. I am the heat. So I kept saying, I am the heat. I am the heat. Because, uh, when you start to, the, the alternative to this is like, oh, it's so hot out. And now you're, you're, bringing awareness and attention to something extreme. And basically when you do that, you're saying that you're not hot. So there's a difference. So now you're going to suffer because you can't meet that, that temperature. And, and this was going through my mind. So I just wanted to meet heat, <laughs> be the heat, meet yeah. the heat, be, be the well, heat. Well, you are. You're, Love not, the heat. you're not separate from the field. You're not separate. Your body is part of the field. If anybody's seen The Legend of Bagger Vance or The Peeps and Awake Athlete, that was our first assignment was to watch that movie, which is Hollywood's version of the Bhagavad Gita. But you are not separate from the heat. And so when once we become separate um, and the heat is something we can't control and we're feeling the effects of that, we can feel like we're being victimized by it, right? And I use that word because that's a state of powerlessness. And yeah, you're giving your power to the heat. Yeah, yeah. Or it's it feels like it's taking it or taking from it you, from, yeah. right? And um, so when you do that, you're just one with all things. You're one with the heat. You are the sun. You're the sunburn. I'm the water. I'm yeah. the waves. I'm like everything. You're the aid station table. Mm-hmm. You're you're everything, babe. I'm the chafe. But you didn't have any chafe. I didn't have any chafe. Why? What's Squirrels, going on? Nut butter. No, it's the magic sauce. I don't know why it took me so long to use that stuff. <laughs> it's awesome. I, w- I mean, I have permanent scars. I'm looking at them right now on my leg. Yeah, it looks like you got into a really like a knife crazy fight. knife fight. Mm-hmm. Like they just sawed my thighs. Uh, but squirrels nut butter again showed up. I've I've been chafe less for almost well, since I've been using it. Mm-hmm. That's so awesome. Uh, did you f- another one from Cat? Did you feel swirly sensations during the race? I did on the swim before the swim. And how did you respond? I took a deep breath, and the swirly sensations were excitement. Like I felt that like nervousness of I'm getting to start this. Like I've been waiting so long to do my next Ironman, 
and the excitement was welling up and I could feel the butterflies. Yeah. And so I just took a deep breath. I remember just standing there in line uh, with the with the group of swimmers, just waiting and waiting and waiting, just taking deep, deep breaths, deeper and deeper and deeper. And that just brings me back into calm. Uh, although it was an excitement, I know myself and being calm entering the water is is for me just really sets me up. If I'm calm within the first, you know, 100, 200 meters, it's going to be a great swim. Did you have any other swirly sensations throughout the race? I guess when I finished, I was kind of dizzy. I go <laughs> yeah, no, you tent. like literally you were swirling. I was swirling. But no, no, no excitement or fear. There's none of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Did you feel like you were overriding messages from the brain that were begging you to stop or slow down? For sure. And how did you respond to those messages? And did your approach change during the race? I, I just say I'm here right now. I'm here right now. You know, most of the messages were saying was on the run to walk or to, or to ease back. And as I reflect on it, uh, it you got to be really careful about those moments because you, you, start to, you start to build a, a pattern where you start walking more, walking more, or running, walking, running, walking. And you create this pattern, and before you know it, it's already an ingrained, it, it, the habit is like created and sustained immediately. And so if, as your mind wanders and drifts, you're just going to walk, you're just going to do what you're doing. Um, so I was able to come back to, come back to uh, awareness just simply by focusing on right now. Like I'm here right now, I'm right now, oh, okay. And it would snap me out of it. The other thing was the hills. You know, I, I, as the race got on and we go up these smaller hills, a flash came into me, like I run hills, like I purposefully run hills and I do lots of them and I repeat and I go up and down, biking in, running. So why wouldn't I run the hills? I've done it many times faster than I'm running now. So why wouldn't I run the hills? I'm plenty fit enough. It's not going to tax me any more than I'm taxed right now. So I made sure I ran every hill and I made sure I ran it just a little bit more extra because I know in the back of my mind, I've done these hill workouts. Um, but again, I can see how people get so caught up in, I'm just going to walk the hills. Everybody else is walking. I don't have the legs right now. And yeah, I would say that's not, the, that's not a, a plan I would recommend going into a race with. Is what? I'm going to walk the hills. Like, yeah, don't plan to walk. No, don't plan to walk. <laughs> don't this plan is to why walk. you do. This is you why, might walk, but don't plan to walk. This is why you get fit. This is why you train. This is why you do the work. To showcase it on race day. So yeah. I, I That's just, what race day is for. Leave it out there. Run the hills. Run the hills. Yeah. But run the hills in training too. Run the hill. Train. Train. Okay. Number train one. number one. <laughs> train. Run some hills in there would be number two. You would two. think that's a given, but <laughs> it's not. Um, all right. What else have we got? Okay. She says, oh, that's it. That's all the questions. Oh, one more, she says. <laughs> Cat. <laughs> Always wanting more. <laughs> I love it. How is the midnight finish line? I I love the midnight finish. I can't believe I even had a temporary, small, tiny, inkling thought that I wasn't going to walk back down there. Uh, we were staying about a, uh, less than a mile from the start. We didn't have a car, so we were walking. Um, and so we both came back. You said you weren't going. We were already laying oh in bed God. watching... 
TV and I'm like, I passed out. I, I don't remember go. you leaving or coming home. So this is the, I just acted. I was like, I got to go. There's no way I'm going to miss this. Um, plus Karen and Wendy were down there. Karen just finished our first Iron Man. Um, the midnight finish is amazing. If you can get right up close to the, the, um, the railings there and start banging the board, you know, everybody bangs the board and you see the big screen and Mike Riley's jumping up and down and swirling his towel around. And it's just so cool to think that they started when you started. I mean, they might have started a little bit because of the rolling start stuff. Oh, the like, people who are finishing. You know, yeah. they all did the same. Yeah. We all, you all did the same course. And what's funny is I don't re- I kind of recall seeing people along the side as I was finishing myself down Sherman Ave. But when I was par- on the other side of the, the fence, I just felt that the people who were finishing were just so appreciative of having spectators still out there. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have the stadium. You know, normally they have the bleachers. I'm assuming COVID, you know, they didn't want people to... to to stack up there. The bleacher industry is suffering. The bleacher industry. Oh my God. I never <laughs> thought about that. But it was super exciting. I, I'd never want to miss a midnight finish if I'm at an Ironman. I, I just love the energy. I, lo- I just, I like to be a part of it. I simply just want to be a part of that community. It's as easy as that, Kat. All right, two more questions from Telsey's. How do you feel now that Kona is in your sights? How do I feel? <clears throat> I've been getting this question a lot. Uh, I feel all the excitement. I feel all the joy. I feel um, the fulfillment, you know, the accomplishment of actually achieving uh, what I've been working for. And you've seen firsthand, you know, for quite a long time. And it's a special moment. It's really a special moment to to be one of, you know, two or 3,000 people in the world that are going to be at this race. And when you look back and say, like, yeah, it could have happened sooner. Um, why didn't it happen sooner? I finished, I finished a race faster. I finished a race uh, on the, you know, closer to the podium. But this one actually was so rewarding and fulfilling because I kept, I just kept going. Like everything, if you look at it on paper, says, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? You're spending all this money on the race. You keep getting injured. You say that you can, you know, do these times and you still haven't done these times. How, when, when is this ever going to end? Are you, do you ever... And I just feel um, like, back to what we're talking about, I have taken back my power in choosing, um, in choosing what I, you know, find, choosing what I find joy in and choose how I want to spend my time. And that time is spent bringing out the best in me. Like I know I have, I know that I can, I could do this and I've known I can do this for a long time. So to have it come into fruition after a year of no racing, um, 
but actually I did do, a, uh, I snuck in and got that 70.3 Arizona. I feel like all the momentum that I kept putting out there, I kept putting, kept training, kept training, never stopped training, did the 70.3 Arizona, then, you know, had some injury in my, in my leg and was unable to do some things, but I kept doing what I could do, kept momentum moving forward, had a small thought that how am I ever going to do an Ironman in, in June? Um, this was back in January, February. And then 70.3, uh, well, St. George came up, St. George 70.3, and I was able to race that. And it was like, okay, things are moving forward, things are moving forward. And then I had a few weeks to prepare for Coeur d'Alene. So I, I feel accomplished. I feel there's no, there's no comparison to, to being consistent and to believing um, with all your faculties, everything that you have that you can achieve something and keep going despite the physical proof that says maybe it's not possible. Yeah. It's quite, it's quite, it's quite an accomplishment, you know, Kona and 70.3 worlds in the same year. Um, this is the, this is the testament to, to believing in something and relentlessly pursuing it. a good answer. All right. One final question from Liz running on Venti. Were you surprised to get Kona with this Ironman or did you have an inner knowing? Oh, I absolutely had an inner knowing. I mean, we booked our place to Kona a few months ago, mm-hmm. like two months ago. Yeah. We booked our place. We, I just, I had a feeling, I think after St. George, I was like, okay, we got to do this. It's time. It's time. We got to go to Kona. But so I think, yeah, we just felt like it was, I don't know, we just knew. Yeah, so, so you may be like, you're listening to this and like, but how do you know? How do you know? Um, I believe that when you understand yourself, when you start to get a relationship with your true self, and what's underneath That's all this stuff on surface. That's not separate from the future or the past or the universe or the heat. So you get access to information where you just know it, right? Yeah. That, that's that part inside. Yeah. I don't think you can read a book or listen to a podcast or, um, you know, watch a motivational video. I don't, I don't, or get a certification. I think you just need to take the education of getting to know yourself. And how do you do that? You just spend time with yourself in stillness. And in movement, but in, but most often in stillness when the, when the real stuff comes up. And then you'll know. Like, I know I'm not bullshitting here. Like, I know deep down inside that I'm capable of achieving this. I knew it. I know. I have known for a while. What, where I got caught up was in the attachment of when it needed to happen. And we all know that caused a lot of suffering and pain. And then I realized I don't want suffering and pain. And so I removed the timeline and just focused on what brought me joy, which was striving for this goal. So now that I've achieved it, um, yeah, I've, I've, I always knew it and I know I'm going to do it again. Yeah. And I think it was, uh, for me, it was more of like, it, it was knowing that it was time for Yogi Triathlete to be in Kona. Like it was time for us to be in Kona. Um, whether that came with a qualification or not, 
And I think that's the detachment piece. It was just like, you're going. So we like, when we get those hits, we like to act on them as opposed to waiting for the physical evidence. So we were willing and ready and awake to the fact that we were going. And, um, but then, you know, we both kind of felt also the momentum all the years, the momentum that the qualification was was also coming. Um, and it's not to say that we don't read books or like no. you're certified in plant based nutrition. I'm certified massage therapist, certified in you know Main Street, but it's um, the Vegan Academy. So we're not saying don't do that. All of those things were extremely important part of my path. Um, but there's no replacement for the encyclopedia of all that is all that was and all that ever will be that resides within you right now. Like every single one of us, it's in there. Uh, Meditator Bob was telling us, I don't know, maybe like a month ago or so, um, when he would go and be with his teacher, uh, Swami Sachidananda, who is the founder of Yogaville, and he actually wrote the translation of the Yoga Sutras, which is a very popular um, translation of the sutras. Anyway, he would sit and his teacher would say, so do you have a question? Do you have a question for me? And Bob was like, yeah, I got a question. Like a whole, like, let me get out my notepad, you know? He said, yeah, I have questions. And his teacher would say, okay, let's meditate. Like he wouldn't tell him the answers. answers. He didn't want to even hear the questions because he knew that the answers were already within him. So. so you need to trust yourself, right? Isn't it trusting? But you you trust from building relationship. Just like you trust a coach from building the relationship, you trust yourself from building the relationship with and with that relationship mm-hmm. with not what you what you do for work, not how much you make, not what your house looks like. It's not the what you do and who you are and what your name is. It's it's the nameless, it's the nobody, the nobody part of you that's that's inside. Like we were saying the other day, like the, the ultimate goal is to become nobody, right? Like Cause then nobody. when you're nobody, you're everybody. You're everybody. You're everything. Right. Yeah. It's, it's profound. Yeah. yeah. Kind of takes the pressure off too. Yeah. Ram, Ram Das has a good, uh, podcast. Um, it's on the here and now network, but it's the Ram Das podcast. Ram Das left the earth a couple of years ago or last year. I think right before, like in maybe late 2019, he was out of here. And um, anyway, it's called Becoming Nobody. That's a great episode. And he's so funny. You were on a major Ram Dass binge. I was. Hardcore. I go on these binges where <laughs> I can't even... See, you go on binges. I can't like even we- listen to music. It's just like, I need to hear somebody talking about spirituality <laughs> and oneness and nothingness. I need it. <laughs> Except when after a long ride when I'm heading back and I need to stay awake. It's yeah. Like I put a Ram Dass in my... <laughs> the sun is baking. Yeah. Low on calories. <laughs> then you put in some, tra- some trance music. All right. I think that's all we had for questions. Um, should we talk about how we navigated food not having a car and being oh, in a hotel yeah, room. Oh, I absolutely want to talk about a, that. I think yeah. that's a good because we've got time here. Yeah. Um, so why don't you take the lead on that? Because we have no kitchen. Um, yeah, well, I booked a place. We have no car. I booked a place based on proximity. And at the time I booked the place, a lot of places were gone. Well, and also the belief that 
we get it done. Like we're so resourceful. Yeah. After living out of our car for we, six we months, we know how to like, get it done. We know how to make kale salads on the side of the highway. See, that's he's now filling. Yeah, the see, that's why the large the bed. bed. See, and he's got he the, loves it. He's got his he's head got up the against face it. tuck. So, <laughs> I booked this place, and there's no kitchen, but it was less than a mile from the start, which is what we wanted. And um, in the days leading in, I was texting or messaging the the owner about you know cooking facilities. Like, is there anything? I know there's a microwave, but is there anything that we can, you know, is there a, a common room? And there was, and they were actually constructing it. They were putting, you know, appliances in. And so they weren't sure if they were going to be done by the time that we were there. So I just kept leaving up hope that, yeah, you know, this would be cool. Um, and I think two days before I, I messaged her and it wasn't going to, it wasn't going to be ready, you know, but there's a grill in the back and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm just going to grill the tempeh and we can microwave the rice. And then I reached out to one of our athletes who had a hotel and a room with a kitchen. And I just asked if I could spend an hour up there doing some food prep uh, right by the race start. And uh, she graciously said yes. So I spent, you know, an hour there just preparing all our food. But but there were other things that we could cook and get um, just from using the microwave. And we in were our place. on the hunt for tempeh for a little while. So we had our bikes. I flew my bike up yeah. there on Alaska Airlines. The bikes are thirty five dollars one per bike one way, which is amazing. So I that was our transportation was bikes. Yeah. So oh, we and we hunt. had a grocery store right across the street from us. We did. It, a grocery store. <laughs> we were resourceful. It's called, it's called Harvest Foods, but I think the title's a little misleading. <laughs> but it had everything we needed. like Most things. Most things we needed, <laughs> except tempeh. So we were on the hunt for tempeh because I have tempeh sandwiches for lunch. The both produce days was a little... I felt bad for the produce. Yeah. <laughs> But being resourceful, we but I did get a bag. I got a thing of sp- um, like greens. Yep. Like so, like a plastic thing of greens. Tofu, which we ended up throwing hummus in and some oh, no, tofu, and we just ate out of that at night. I went to the burger and ice cream place next door, and I got spoons. Oh yeah, because we had no bowls, no silverware. Yeah, we had all. nothing. Nothing. So we were eating out of the container of the lettuce, and then once that was done, you use that to store the pancakes. Right. After you cooked yes. them over at Karen and Wendy. So I traveled with the the oats, the oat mix. I forgot baking powder, but Karen had bought baking powder because they had a bunch of bananas that were too ripe. So Wendy made banana bread and she needed baking powder. So I had that in the place. And um, yeah, just made the food and brought it back. Like I cooked up a bunch of tempeh and... We found everything we needed. This is the whole thing. Like we got everything we needed, even the vegan pizza at that fire roasted fire kitchen. Can't remember the name of it. It was a wood fire. It, they cook their pizzas over a wood fire. Yeah. It's an artisan pizza place called Fire. It was delicious. It was so good. We got and it. they spoke the vegan language. Mm. So there's a um, if you guys are ever there and you want vegan pizza, this place called Fire is delicious. It's on Sherman Ave, and you get the Garden State. And you just don't get... They have vegan cheese, but I'm not interested in vegan cheese. No vegan cheese. Unless it's like Miyoko's or Jules, but they're pretty much just going to put the normal stuff on there, which is just coagulated What else did we do that was resourceful? I know we we hunted down and got the tempeh. We found We We got the tempeh. Yeah, we just rode our bikes. You stayed outside. I went in. And then... It was frozen. Well, then we had... They didn't have any... 
I'm like talking to the guy from the meat department. He's like, I don't think I have any in the meat department. I'm like, no, you wouldn't. But I ended up having this conversation with these two guys and now they know what tempeh is. Oh, that was at the same. And they were like, wow, that sounds like, that's probably pretty healthy. And so, but then they directed us to this place called Pilgrim Foods, which um, was more of a harvest type foods place and uh, got some temp. But even there, like they just had one kind and it was frozen. It was interesting. So tempeh is not big in Coeur d'Alene. No. I wouldn't say it's a vegan hub, but... It was vegan friendly. Like we um, found the Calypso, which had vegan burritos, which were delicious. So you always find your way, you know? Um, and we had, um, so our pre race, or your, why don't you say what your pre race meal is? Because a lot of times people will be like, well, I do pasta and I got to boil it. And oh, yeah, I had rice and avocado, which is my so new good. thing. And we bought boil in a bag rice, white rice, but. It's not microwavable. It was in the pot. Well, you need a bowl. We didn't have you a bowl. You need a bowl, yeah. So I just cooked it over the, the pot while I was making pancakes. So I cooked four bags of white rice, so I had plenty of white rice for, um, for the night. For, for, so the race is Sunday, so Friday night and Saturday night, I had that for dinner. And we got a little sleeve of bagels and some almond butter and bananas, and we would have that for breakfast. Like we kind of go mono eating when yeah. we're in a situation Tons like this. Tons of bananas. So we don't have like a ton of food. And and I feel myself like, oh my God, I just want spinach so bad. But then I remind myself, well, this is why you eat the way you eat. So that for four days in a row, you can have a cinnamon raisin bagel with mm. almond butter on it. It was so good. It was good. And we'd make them up in the morning and we'd eat, we'd share one on the way down to the lake for a swim. And then we'd share one on the, on the way back. And then there was... Um, a Keurig, um, which was actually probably better than normal hotel coffee, unless you're in Costa Rica where the hotel coffee is really good. <laughs> you got to drop that. <laughs> but we did have the Keurig, which we had to, you know, finesse a little bit and talk nice to and do all these other things to get it to work. But that came through for the first punch. Coffee. We got to talk about the coffee. Go. What was the uh, first of all? What? Well, we found out that California is actually expensive. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. So w- w- the first day we went to go get coffee, a medium was like a dollar ninety eight. I was like, uh, "How big is the cup?" <laughs> Here it's like four bucks. Yeah, I'm used to spending at least three dollars for a cup of just cup of drip Dri- drip coffee. Bought it was a dollar ninety eight. It's mind blown. Well, when I ordered the pizza from Fire, I was like, oh, babe, it's only $17. I'm used to getting, when we get a vegan pizza at the pizza shop, it's $40. (laughs) So we just tipped really big. I tipped big the whole time I was there because it wasn't like I was trying to make it match what I spent in in California, but it was like, I get to save a little bit of money here, so I'm going to share that abundance. So I just tipped big Yeah, wherever I went. Um, so yeah, the coffee. Cordeline Coffee Company. That was probably the best. The best. But I can't, the I can't Calypso. deny my girls at Fine Brood, Bailey, over oh, at Fine Brood. I was there many times a day getting smoothies. That's another thing. Like coffee shops have smoothies. It's a great way to get some bang of nutrition. Um, if you're in a hotel room kind of situation, but Cordeline Coffee was. Cordeline Coffee. There was a couple of other places. We don't need to name them. Well, Calypso had the decaf iced Brew, which was cold brew, amazing. Cold brew, which is the bomb. Like, 
I didn't want caffeine the day bef- the day of, like in the afternoon, but I, that oh, it was just so good. It was legit. It wasn't brown water. It was actually like cold brew. Yeah. 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 Anything else? Mm. I think that was the resort. That was, oh, what about landing in the airport at midnight and expecting an Uber or a Lyft to take us 40 minutes to our... Um, Airbnb only to realize they didn't have Lyft <laughs> or Uber at that time of night or at all. But I th- like we didn't freak out. Nope. We went right into solution mode. You were like, I'm going to go see if I can download the app for Lyft. And I just stood on the sidewalk and I was like, all right, show me the way. And this guy in a minivan pulls up. Backs in. He looks at me. I look at him. <laughs> he goes past me. He stops. He backs up right in front of me, backs into a spot right in front of me. I was like, okay, is this what you wanted me to see? So I walked up to him. I said, hey, uh, can you give me a ride to Coeur d'Alene? <laughs> and he was like, well, I'm picking somebody up. How many do you have? And he was so cool, so mellow, such a nice guy. I said, there's two of us. I said, we have two bikes. And he's like, oh, I got to see if this guy's got a bike too. I don't know if we can fit it in. But then you, I called you and I said, get back here. I think I got us a ride. Yeah, so I arranged the bikes in there and he was surprised that there was actually, like if there was another bike, there's plenty of room. And so he was connecting with that guy and he said, go, I said, I'll go help him. Like, he seems like he's frustrated, like he can't get down here quick enough or down, you know, make his way. So I'll go help him. So I went down there. I'm like, Sean, Sean, ah, Sean. So Sean had a bike case. And uh, we go back to the, the van and we put his bike in and we, everybody just piled into the car and his t-shirt says, try Scottsdale. So we try come to find out he's staying with our buddy, Dan Beaver. <laughs> right. And he knew Mary, he knew our Mary, friend Mary. So and like Jan, <laughs> like he knew everybody. That. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, that was so interesting. <laughs> just, and he said, he goes, did you see my post in the Coeur Facebook group? He's like, I posted that I had this ride and did anybody want to share it? Did you hear that part? Yeah, but I didn't check the Facebook page. Yeah, and I said, no, but it was just, so it's like, you're just provided for, like stay in solution energy. Like I just stood there and I was like, all right, show me the way. Show me how I'm going to get to Coeur I'm not surprised anymore that I'm not these surprised things either. No, it was perfect. And then we ended up, Booking um, a ride with him. Yeah, and he took his back. So, yeah. John. John. Um, Oh, what was it? Gotta get there. Gotta. Gotta get something like that. Gotta go fly or something like that. Gotta fly. Gotta fly. Yes. So, if anybody's listening to this, give this guy some biz. He's super cool. Um, He's awesome. He goes back and forth from Coeur d'Alene to Spokane Airport. Yeah, super cool dude. Really mellow, nice guy. Um, Totally took care of us. So, Oh, it's good. All right, now I think we're done. I feel like cat. No, that's it. Wait, one more. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. So what's next? Come see us in St. George for Worlds. We're going to be there for a few days. It's going to be freaking awesome. <laughs> and then come to Kona. See us in Hawaii. I'm just like to be, we're going to be back in these environments of the best in the world. The best in the world. Best in the world. Mm-hmm. I love it. And then we'll be at Ironman California. Two weeks after Kona, we'll be at Ironman California. So Mm -hmm. if you're going to go, let us know. We'd love to connect. We're getting a big crew up there. 
So I have a question for you. Um, so what's your goal now with Iron Man? I want to win my age group. Have you had that race yet where everything comes together? No. And so this, you could say this experience that I've had this year, you know, lightens the pressure of actually trying to, you know, get to the big dance, get to the big race. And so now I can just race from, from the pure joy of it. And I, I think there's some truth to that, but it's not, it's, I don't feel like an overwhelming, like, oh, like I finally made it. So now I can just go. Now I can be happy. <laughs> I feel like I've been happy. I am happy. And I feel this momentum that it just, I feel like I still have my best race yet. I'm approaching 50. I'm, I just feel I'm faster than I am. And if I, if I feel that, there's no proof otherwise that I'm, I, I'm not that fast. Yeah. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, I would say it was a Kona effort. I mean, starting in November when your mom left the world, like it's just been a Kona effort. This whole, like just keeping it going, keeping moving when all you could do is like walk when you were back east uh, for your mom's ceremonies and you would you walked a mile down the street to our friend's house, to Val's house, and you took her yoga class because your body was in so much pain. Like that was moving you forward. That was Kona effort, Kona effort. And this race was Kona effort. Even though your times don't, they don't, like your swim, we still don't know what was going on with the swim. Um, that time isn't, yeah, it's not, it's just doesn't, so it doesn't add up. But I would say that effort was a Kona effort out there, mm -hmm. and it had started months ago, just keeping it going, keeping it going, believing in it, never wavering, staying the course. It's not for the faint of heart, but it's for, you know, and, and every single guy ahead of you, those guys were amazing. They were amazing. Nobody was falling apart. Every single one of you guys were just like soldiering, like warrior. That's what I was yelling at people. I'm like, you're getting warrior status today. This is warrior status. And, uh, and that's really what it was. It was warrior status. It was insane. And Karen, congratulations, Karen, Yogi Trothley, athlete, one of your athletes, Beach, um, amazing performance, Ironman Cordelaine, Daniel, Daniel, our triathlon yeah. coach and your athlete, uh, just amazing, amazing performance out there. Uh, he had some adversity that he was dealing with in the days leading up and just so impressive how... God, what an honor to watch you guys. You know, everybody gets out of the swim. It's like, whew, okay, everybody, everybody gets off the bike safe. It's like, oh. And then usually it's like, oh, they're going to be fine. It's the run. But then the temperature's like 99, 100, 101, 102, 103, 104, 100, you know, 107. And uh, my job was just to keep rooting you on and keeping you moving and let go of, you know, not be the worry, not be the doubt, not be the, oh my God, am I pushing my husband into a complete collapse? Um, and you just got to let go. My job is to keep you moving. You know, that's what Scotty D yelled at me. He's like, you keep him moving. Yeah. Keep mm -hmm. moving. Yeah. And shout out to Carrie, oh, Carrie. Yeah. Carrie Lester who crushed it. Amazing. Amazing race. 40 years old and Keeps, she is the heat, she baby. Comes, keeps crushing and winning races. I don't know what her limits are. I, I don't think there are. Yeah. 
Okay, so. I think we're done. Are we right. done? We're done. All right, any final words? Somebody who has a goal, maybe it's just to complete a triathlon, do a 5K, qualify for Kona. They're all equal goals in my eyes. Um, words of whiz? You got to have unwavering unwavering faith and belief in yourself. And if, if, you do, if you're not quite there yet, you need to surround yourself with people who support you um, in achieving and something so big because they'll see the importance of it to you and how much it means to you. And they'll, they'll help bring that energy that is the energy that's already inside you. will 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 help bring that out a little bit more so that you do have that trust and, and self-belief, but it's everything. You're going to be challenged. You're going to come up with so against so many brick walls and things that say, you shouldn't be doing this or can't do this. And you have to trust yourself. You have to believe in yourself. You have to have that knowing. Um, and there's no way to purchase it or collect it or insert it. It's simply just have, keep having experiences that put you in a realm of challenging uh, what you believe to be safe and comfortable. Well said. Thanks, Beach. Thank you. Smackdown. Kona style.